Hello and good morning. It's Thursday, the 19th of April, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the first and only regularly updated podcast in the world dedicated entirely to autonomous cars. Today, episode 22, Tesla and Waymo collect some data, Buick rolls out a gorgeous new electric SUV, and Tesla starts taking selfies for you. All this and more right now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, to kick things off then, I wanted to discuss uh, a pretty awesome article over at The Verge. Uh, I just saw it published, it uh, looks like, earlier this morning. If you haven't seen it, I highly encourage you to read it. Um, the title is, How Tesla and Waymo Are Tackling a Major Problem for Self-Driving Cars, Data. So, the article is really fascinating, really in-depth, so I'm just going to kind of discuss what's going on there and give my thoughts on it, as I often do with any sort of newsworthy topic. And make no mistake, this is definitely newsworthy, it's not just academic. Here's why. So, as we've alluded to in a lot of previous episodes, uh, obviously there's many different ways to go about building an electric car, uh, not least of which includes the sorts of sensors used. Uh, Almost all automakers, of course, relying heavily on LiDAR. Uh, Tesla, famous uh, due to Elon Musk's aversion to LiDAR, claiming that uh, camera vision is improving at such a fast rate, it'll render LiDAR uh, obsolete. Alternatively, in any event, it's certainly going to be much cheaper than LiDAR, well, forever. This, never mind the fact that, as we mentioned briefly in a previous episode, a company called Quantergy rolling out solid-state LiDAR. Uh, These, of course, much, much smaller, more energy-efficient, and far cheaper by an order of magnitude than today's really clunky, cumbersome electromechanical LiDAR systems that you see on the roofs of most electric car, uh, autonomous cars. Uh, in any event, the, the big issue then uh, sort of comes down to this, is that sort of one of the ways that you sort of augment all this, uh, all this sensor uh, sort of visual feedback uh, from cameras, LiDAR, radar, etc., is that you also kind of imbue the cars with a sort of intelligence. Um, and you do this by for lack of a better word, kind of crowdsourcing all the data accumulated from these cars as they're driven in the real world, or as we'll see in a moment, um, from simulated worlds. So I guess to kind of kick off this discussion, let me kind of break it off into two different parts. So first, let me give an overview of how uh, Tesla and Waymo go about things differently, and then we'll kind of discuss what this really means. So so let's start with Waymo. I think that's the easiest to kind of wrap our heads around. So Waymo, as you probably know, doesn't really have that many cars on the roads. I think something on the order of five or 600 cars. Uh, you've seen these probably in the form more recently of the um, remarkably pretty, actually, Chrysler minivans, the, uh, the Pacifica. Um, and as we reported in a previous episode a few weeks back, uh, Waymo now have also just partnered up with Jaguar, and they are set to roll out 
um, I think it's something like 20,000 Jaguar I-Pace vehicles. These are the new uh, all-electric SUV kind of crossover thingies, which are said to be really the first sort of upmarket, luxurious, all-electric SUV type of vehicle. In any event, um, what this really means then is that so far, Waymo hasn't really produced that many sort of on-road, real-world data points. Um, The vast majority of Waymo's data has actually been uh, in simulator land. So Waymo, of course, has been crunching just an astonishing amount of simulated road miles Uh, in their simulators, something on the order of several billion now collected, as opposed to something on the order of, you know, several million in the real world. Um, Why this is so important is that because, you know, while it's one thing to be able to see the world around you sort of in real time, it's another thing entirely to, as I mentioned earlier, augment all of this with, uh, again, for lack of a better word, crowdsourced data. So what this means is then that if you're able to crunch um, a whole bunch of simulated scenarios um, then it effectively gives the cars a sort of intelligence to kind of know what's going on. So, for example, maybe it'll be the case that cars will realize, hey, I can't see that street light because there's a big truck in front of me. Maybe I should kind of slow down, back up a bit, kind of keep some distance from the truck so I can see that street light when I get to it. Because in simulations, it's often been the case that by the time I get to the intersection, the light will have already turned red. Uh, this is just kind of an example off the top of my head. I don't know if it's necessarily the best example, but hopefully it helps to kind of illustrate um, what's going on here with all this simulated information. Um, and indeed, real-world collected information as well, which kind of leads us to Tesla, what they've been doing. So Tesla, of course, now are moving up on around several billion miles of real-world data. And and this is a really big deal, right? Because it's getting all this information from uh, from actual drivers driving in the real world, um, uh, and and it's able to kind of put this all together and share this knowledge with all the other Teslas out there. Tesla isn't really revealing the kind of data it's collecting. Um, again, it doesn't have LiDAR info, but it does have a lot of camera data and indeed lane data and sort of, well, all sorts of other kind of driving and mannerism data with the human drivers uh, actually sort of how they control their cars in certain situations. So to give one really good example of this, I think, is something I read about earlier today. Uh, I believe it was actually in the comments to something. Uh, some uh, a Tesla owner had mentioned how without any obvious notification of a software update, his autopilot system suddenly was doing some remarkably clever things. For example approaching a certain turn, it now made a point to slow down much more than before, just the way the human driver would do. And this is a really important thing. And it turns out that the way this is probably happening is that because Tesla is actually uh, collecting all this driving data, it knows that, well, look, every single person who arrives at this corner at a certain velocity, they tend to slow down because, well, they need to, to kind of negotiate the turn well without sort of screeching the tires and so forth. And so it says, well, if you're operating on autopilot, let's tell autopilot, you know, the human driver always takes over at this point, or even if autopilot's not on, the human driver will uh, continue to drive in such a way as to slow down for that turn. And therefore we should make sure that autopilot knows about this. And so that autopilot will slow down to make that turn as well. Now, obviously there's many ways autopilot could Uh, engage with a turn. I mean, if it's able to see the road ahead, it should be able to calculate the optimal speed to go through that turn comfortably. 
I don't think that sort of crowdsourcing data from other drivers is really the only way to do it. And indeed, I don't think it is the only way Teslas do it. It's just sort of one way of doing it, right? It's augmenting what the system would do otherwise on its own based on what it sees of the road. Um, one, if it's not really the same kind of thing at all that's happening, but I think by analogy, a way to think about this is if you've read about or heard or even experienced for yourself this really cool little trick that Teslas do, suppose you're in a parking lot or going up a driveway ramp in your Tesla. Uh, obviously, Tesla's pretty low to the ground, right? They don't have a lot of clearance, including and especially the the front, uh, you know, the, the kind of the bumper, the, the air dam below the bumper. And so the last thing you want to do is kind of scrape that along a curb as you're parking or, or going up a ramp. Um, well, it turns out that with, uh, you know, if your Tesla has the adaptive suspension, the adjustable suspension, um, you can actually raise the suspension as you approach that speed hump or the, a steep driveway ramp. As soon as you do this, the Tesla will actually remember for future reference, hey, there's a bump here. So every time I'm near this area, I'm going to go ahead and raise up, you know, raise the suspension on my own without the driver intervening and telling me to do so because it's learned that every time you're there, you, you raise the car. And so it does it for you automatically. You can, of course, disable it, but the point is it's a really nice feature to have when you think about it. Um, so again, it's, a, it's, a, it's obviously a very different sort of thing that we're talking about here, but by analogy, I think it really holds. By collecting all this data and learning what's going on, uh, and then by sort of adding that combined knowledge to autopilot, it makes it for a much better system overall. To once again refer back to the tragic Model X crash a few weeks ago, which again, we've discussed ad nauseum, and I really don't want to get back into it again. Um, you know, I think one really great use case is exactly that scenario where you see um, the exit lane kind of uh, peeling off, peeling away from the main freeway lanes, and then there's this kind of empty median between the two, uh, inside of which is, of course, this barricade. Uh, well, now Autopilot should know that, hey, if the exit lane starts to peel away, don't just kind of track that lane by default. Keep to the, uh, well, let's see, if you're in the exit lane, kind of keep to the right. Don't kind of veer left into that center median. Conversely, if you're uh, in lane number one, the rightmost lane of the freeway, keep tracking as far left as possible in that lane. Don't allow yourself to kind of go to the right because then you'll end up in the median, hit the barricade and die. Uh, so that's what Tesla is doing. And, and guess what? It turns out, again, I think I read this in some comment somewhere else today that indeed, uh, all of a sudden, uh, someone's Tesla on autopilot, although initially getting confused by the exit lane, quickly kind of corrected, pulled back to the center and remained on the freeway, didn't go into that median. Um, so this is just a really, you know, this just kind of illustrates, I think, how this is all working. And it's really important to kind of keep in mind that in addition to seeing the world around, really cars are going to have to learn from the world around and indeed then to share this uh, with all the cars in the network. So uh, really clever stuff, all this. Um, we'll, we'll make a point to come back because, frankly, we could just keep talking about this for, I mean, hours. There, there, there's so much to discuss. And to be fair, the article itself is rather lengthy. But again, I do encourage you to head over and read it. Again, it's over at The Verge. Give it a read. We'll talk about more, more about this uh, in some future episodes, I have no doubt. So another week, another car maker announces a very spectacular and indeed beautiful or at least cool looking all electric SUV concept. This time it's Buick. Yes, that Buick, part of GM. And if you sound surprised, don't be. I'll explain why in a moment. Um, here's a hint. Cruise automation. 
So first things first, though, this new concept, this from, an, uh, from a story over at electric.co, uh, well, it turns out that this concept is promising up to 370 miles of range. Good grief, that's, that's phenomenal. Um, uh, just as a reminder, to put that in perspective, I mean, really, 300 miles is kind of the sweet spot. So anything approaching 400 miles is just really special stuff indeed. Uh, Anyway, here's some of the specs, right? So apparently it's going to have a 410 kilowatt motor. It's going to enable 0 to 60, which is nearly 0 to 100 kilometers an hour uh, in four seconds. Uh, And, uh, you know, so so this is all just really great stuff. Weirdly, though, there isn't any discussion as to what kind of autonomous driving features it has. But that's all right. As I said at the start of this segment, uh, here's why you shouldn't be surprised that GM... uh, are, you know, because again, remember Buick's part of GM, obviously. Uh, this is why you shouldn't be surprised that this is being released by Buick and GM. Cruise Automation, this is the plucky little startup, well, it once was little, uh, formerly from Y Combinator, uh, the incubator uh, outside of San Francisco in Silicon Valley. So GM invested a billion dollars, you have billion with a B, uh, into this startup, uh, effectively acquiring them, but they're, they're totally sort of autonomous pun intended, doing their own thing. Uh, They are the ones who've been uh, building these fully autonomous Chevy Bolt vehicles that you might have seen driving around San Francisco. I have seen a few of them. Uh, As a matter of fact, just the other morning, I saw one driving around getting pretty confused, if I'm honest, in an intersection in the Marina Green area, uh, not really making a full stop uh, at a stop sign before taking a left onto maybe Scott or Divisadero Street, I think it was. Um, Anyway, uh, the, the, the human backup driver is looking pretty confused indeed. Um, but yeah, so this is why I'm really not surprised at all that uh, GM and Buick um, are, are, you know, have, have released this, uh, this concept to the public. They're calling it the Buick Inspire, not the Inspire, but of course, the quirky spelling Inspire, maybe to evoke, uh, I don't know, energy, right? So, so yeah, look, the thing looks phenomenal. Uh, again, no official word yet with respect to whatever sort of autonomous capabilities it'll have, but I am, I, I, I would bet the future of this podcast that it's going to have at least level three autonomy right off the bat. So roughly Tesla level and beyond, and that it'll be almost certainly fully upgradable to level four. Uh, because don't forget, um, uh, cruise automation with these Chevy Bolts they're already working towards fully level five cars. And I mean that in every sense of the word. Uh, They don't even have steering wheels and gas pedals. So it is all but certain that if and when this uh, gorgeous new, I mean, it really is pretty. You should take a look at it. Uh, You know, when this thing rolls out, it's definitely going to have a pretty competent level of autonomy uh, right off the bat. So yeah, check it out. Really good stuff, this. It's the Buick Inspire. All right, so I kind of exaggerated when I said that Tesla is going to start taking selfies. Uh, There is a camera inside of the new Model 3 vehicles, which are, in fact, disactivated currently. Um, But as far as taking photos and sharing with Tesla, that is actually quite true. So the Model S and X have been doing this for quite some time now. In fact, uh, gigabytes of data have been shared with Tesla, anonymously, of course, not linked to your your vehicle's VIN, Um, basically in an effort, well, to the point of the previous segment that we just discussed, or I should say the first segment of this episode. Um, this is how sort of part of uh, Tesla's ongoing attempt to collect as much data as it can to kind of crowdsource 
driving data. Well, the Model 3 is doing this too now. It's going to start uploading tons and tons of data. We've seen on the order of gigabytes worth. And uh, this then is just going to help sort of further the data collection Tesla gets uh, in an effort to better improve uh, to improve autopilot. And speaking of improving autopilot, uh, Tesla has also just released a new uh, update to its mapping software, taking a page from Waze playbook. So Waze, if you well, actually, I'm sure that you all use Waze. Uh, so Waze, as you know, really, really cool in terms of being able to sort of crowdsource uh, traffic data from all of its um, from all of its users, including uh, and perhaps especially crowdsourcing information about things like where the police are hiding <laughs> for speed traps, uh, red light cameras, and so on. Um, so, so one of the things that was always lacking in Tesla was this ability to have uh, crowdsourced data. Well. Yeah, for traffic information. And now it turns out that the Tesla is doing this. The Model S navigation, this is a quote actually from from Tesla. Uh, the Model S navigation system now takes real-time traffic conditions into account when determining a route for you. Estimated travel times are adjusted to reflect traffic and your car will continuously monitor traffic while navigating and rerouting if warranted. Uh, so it, it goes on to explain that uh, Tesla will measure the road segment data of all participating vehicles in a way that doesn't ID your car, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, um, it's a, it's a, it's <clears throat> on the one hand, I was going to say it's a small update, but then it really isn't because actually the functionality and the benefits of this are actually quite large. Again, this is why Waze is so popular. That said, I don't think it's surprising at all that this is finally happening. Um, so, you know, what can I say? Good. Just another example of Tesla continuously and always improving and updating all of its software. All right. So that'll do it for today. Um, as a reminder, if you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to leave me a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave any written feedback. That'd be most appreciated indeed. If you're listening on anchor.fm, again, that's the platform on which I record these uh, podcast episodes. Um, remember, you can leave me a voicemail message uh, to any of the episodes uh, and I promise to respond. This can therefore enable this to be a nice two-way dialogue together, which I think will be a lot of fun for all of us. Um, as always, please be sure to subscribe uh, to the episode, to the podcast, rather. Uh, be sure to share it with all your friends and colleagues, because again, the more this keeps growing in listenership, uh, the more I promise to keep uh, you know doing this, this show. Once it starts dropping, of course, I will no longer do it. So let's just keep it going. Keep the ball rolling. Uh, Anyway, once again, if you want to reach out to me directly, you can also uh, find me on Twitter, of course. That's Mark Hogue, M-A-R-C-H-O-A-G. And that'll pretty much do it for this week. Um, tomorrow's Friday, so I wish you in advance uh, to have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>